Hello and welcome to Best Guard Boys, Austin's premier Mandalorian podcast. I'm Bob. And I'm Jared. All right, it's time to talk about Chapter 11, The Heiress. Please note that there will be spoilers for the entire uh, Chapter 11 episode, but no further. We may speculate on our own, but we will not be spoiling future episodes or talk about any sort of rumors. So, Jared, before we really get into the episode today, I have a big announcement. Guess what it is? Uh, oh, wait, I think I might know. We have some winners on our very <laughs> on one of our contests. Just to recap, we have two contests. First one to put in a question, and the p- first person to correctly choose. We have a logo that has two Mandalorians, and the whole thing is like choose which one is Jared and which one is me, which is a trick question because we never actually defined who's who. So <laughs> everyone's correct. We just asked the the nice lady in England, whose name is Linda who drew, drew, drew that art, oh, just to give us two Mandalorians. And that's what it is. But so the other day, Jarrett, my Instagram all of a sudden started dinging rapidly. And it seems like our target audience are one of our key demographics, which is uh, a certain Wilson family in Oklahoma, <laughs> uh, started IMing me pretty quickly. And uh, so who do you, do you know who won then? Did they tell you? I do, yeah, because I got on our family text. Yeah, my mom, my mom texted and said she won the shirt because she, she. Oh, did she? Did yeah. she, Angie? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's my mom. And <laughs> then uh, I think my dad's sister got uh, magnets. I think. So yeah, they started texting. I thought that was pretty fun that they were supporting and yeah. giving, giving a guess to all of our stuff. So yeah, okay, that was so Angie, fun. and then there's a person from just a general Wilson Brothers. Yeah, but that's my dad because they're they're the uh, they run construction back yep. in Oklahoma. So yeah, that would be them. And then um, one last one, who was? Let me see. I, I got this. Wait, Instagram kind of changed everything. Yeah, they did. They like just came out with a big update. Yeah, so I don't know where anything is. Okay, and these are people that are we're really getting into. Actually, except for your mom, your mom just like shot off a uh, uh, quite like an answer without even really thinking about it. It sounds like your dad, and then what your sister Lydia. Yeah, they were actually kind of thinking about it a little bit more, and they're like analyzing how people are sitting, and Lydia's like. I know how he sits. I'm not a stalker. I'm I'm his sister. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yep, they have a bunch of Best Car Boys stuff coming to them, a couple magnets and a shirt. That's awesome. Yep. So that was a lot of fun. Um, So, yes. And we still we still have one thing left out. Please write your question to us. However, you can get a hold of either one of us, either at Aging Hipster Network uh, at gmail.com or on the Instagram, the Aging Hipster Network. You can email, text, whatever. However, it's not really like it's not a scientific method in terms of getting uh, your question to us. And if you do, I will ask where to send your t shirt. So I hope that your mom wears it with pride. Oh, I'm sure she will. <laughs> okay. See, I need to get mine still. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so let's go over uh, this episode's cameos and predictions from last week. So let's see. Oh, that's right. That's right, Jared. Katie Sackoff, Starbuck herself, comes yep. back in triumphantly as Bo-Katan, which was the character that she voiced in in the uh, animated series. Isn't that correct? That's right. So I think that's really cool that she got to play Bo-Katan in both, in both shows. Like, mm-hmm. 
you know, uh, so that's pretty, that's pretty exciting that she gets to cross over her character. And also too, like she was an awesome Mandalorian. So like getting to see her in action in the live, you know, in a live action film, uh, show was pretty awesome too. So what was your reaction when you saw, when did you realize who, what it was, who it was? I think as soon as she, as soon as she came in and like landed that first or, uh, that first time in her armor, I recognized her helmet. I was like, Oh, it's Bo-Katan. And then, and then she took it off. And then obviously like her hairstyles the same as it is in Clone Wars and everything. So I was like, Oh yeah, that's awesome. And I, and she was another one that I kind of heard might be coming in mm-hmm. as a rumor to the show. So I knew that she might be there. So I think that also kind of gave me another hint when she landed on that ship. But then it was it was the helmet. So, I, but I was curious though to see who her uh, co- companions were going to be though, and I think they're just seemingly like isn't one of the one of her companions also another cameo as well? I mean, I don't know, but um, well, she, she is a WWE that's wrestler, right, that's right. Sasha Banks, it listed under her real name Mercedes Fernando, and she was playing Casca Reeves, who was the female. Mandalorian, who was also kind of stalking him in the beginning. Right, right. So that answered that question mm-hmm. from the original trailers of who that hooded hooded figure was. Yep. And then the other guy is Axe Wolves, which kind of is an interesting name. But anyways, yeah. uh, that was this guy named Simon. Uh, oh, a whole bunch of vowels and consonants there, so I'm not going to try that. <laughs> but I did I did recognize the Imperial Captain, Titus Welliver. Yeah, yeah. He's been in a bunch of stuff, including Bosch on Amazon Prime for the last six years or so. Yeah, he's popping up in a lot of stuff that I like. I've I've seen him the most, I think, when in his uh, guest starring role on uh, Sons of Anarchy. He was in a, like a pretty oh, good, yeah. pretty good arc in season three, I think. And I I really I really like him. So that was kind of cool, and he fit perfectly as an imperial officer. Yeah, like just with his demeanor and everything. I was like, oh yeah, he makes a great mm-hmm. imperial. And and of course, then our our good friend Moff Gideon shows up. Gives a pretty chilling response in terms of what he had to say. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was pretty interesting. So on a scale of one to ten tadpoles, what's your rating, Jerry? I think this one was is a pretty solid like eight nine. Like it yeah. was. I I think it had a really it was really great because it was good like plot progression. Like we got a very clear signal of this is where the show is going now. Like the main focus of, where, of what the rest of the episodes are going to be. It had some great action. We got more men. I kind of felt like this was almost a repeat of season of season one's episode three because we just got a whole lot of really great Mandalorian action. So oh that, yeah, that's that's when they all like flew in in season three. So maybe right. our season, uh, episode three is going to be just Mandalorians saving the day. By right, like how uh, episode nine of each season of Game of Thrones was something going terribly wrong. <laughs> <That's right>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think so. I think because of that, like we got to see again. Like I love too that this one focused a lot on Corrin and Mon Calamari. Like that, that's awesome to see more of them in in the live action stuff. So I just it, it hit the beats of showing us more new Star Wars, but then also gave us some very serious story progression. Which I think three episodes in, we kind of needed to know. All right, what are we really shooting for in this mm-hmm. season? And so there's a little bit of controversy last episode with around the eggs, which I guess we didn't even really pick up on when we talked about it on Friday, last Friday afternoon. But there's a lot of stuff about Baby Yoda or the child, or I guess um, Bryce uh, Dallas Howard calls calls uh, Baby Yoda baby. Uh, <laughs> so what Baby was doing, just eating the eggs. What did you think about all that stuff? I thought it was pretty funny. Like, yeah. just like how 
I mean, I get it how it was pretty funny how it's just like baby Yoda's just going to eat whatever. And he doesn't care. It doesn't yeah. matter like the repercussions, but I, I think it was really funny because it gave Mando more, not funny that baby Yoda was eating them more than it gave us a chance to see daddy, daddy Mando, because he was very much being just like a dad to baby Yoda be like, no, stop, don't touch it. And then, yeah. and then even this time when he was dropping the baby Yoda off with uh frog lady and Frogman. They would, he was just like, be nice, have, use your manners, be be respectful. Like, yeah, don't eat like, their don't eat their babies. Exactly, yeah. Typical like parent drop off speech to a kid. So I thought that was really <laughs> funny. Uh, I did appreciate though that in this episode he seemed to kind of get his comeuppance for his in regard to what he eats because like mm-hmm. the the thing with the oh the little thing the like weird what creature at the end. The mama like, core is that a baby mama core? I think so. Yeah, the mama yeah. core like oh, acting like it was gonna try to eat him. The and then something else. Oh, the something in the food bowl that he ate at the bar like yeah, jumped like, out and got on his face too. Some sort of octopus or something. So yeah. which was one of our prediction if Baby Yoda was going to eat something or not. And so I guess it's kind of a wash because he was yeah. trying to, but you didn't see him eat anything. He, I think he did eat the mama core though at the end. Doesn't didn't he like slow oh. down a tentacle? So like I think after Mando like squished it, he like he gave it back because oh. I saw him eating something at the very end. So he at least ate one thing. But <laughs> we could still call it a wash because he almost got eaten by two things. That's so. true. That's true. Uh, and then also just like the chowder. That's a. I don't know if I would you go to a place that just had chowder like in a spout above the table? No, that seems <laughs> very questionable. Like I'm sure there's a lot of unique foods out there in the galaxy mm-hmm. to eat, but I do not think a like squirted bowl of porridge, whatever is what I would go for. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, like, I think a lot of really significant things happened this episode. Right. And mm-hmm. so one of them is really kind of the kind of revealing that, that Den Jarin is actually, because it was one of the things that we talked about in the, and I think in the first episode, we were talking about, well, not all Mandalorians wear his helmet all the time. Right. And we find out that our buddy Mando is a religious zealot or an outcast, which I thought was pretty interesting. What did you think, Jared? I thought it was a pretty cool, like, again, we got more of that Mandalorian lore in this episode, which I really appreciate. And the fact that we did get the a pretty rock solid distinction between what classifies Mando Dinjarin's Mandalorian as opposed to Bo-Katan's Mandalorian, which is that, mm-hmm. yes, he is a member of the offshoot of the Death Watch, which I think is pretty, a good like tie back to the lore and what Bo-Katan even had to fight against and Bo-Katan was even a past member of. So I think that was pretty good to like, and it's interesting that Mando doesn't seem, Din doesn't seem to know that the other exists, which mm-hmm. I think is very interesting that like he didn't know, he, he's known nothing about the Jedi and he's known nothing about really other Mandalorians other than the Mandalorians he was raised in. Granted, I guess that could be because he's not born on Mand- Mandalore. And so was only taught Mandalorian ways through the Death Watch. So I guess that could be it. But it's still interesting that it's just like, in his mind, there is no other way other than the way. You know? Yeah. And it seemed like, so the Death Watch was a pretty extreme part of mm-hmm. the Mandalorian like uh, culture, right? right? So they're m- militant. And he and he is really part of people that are fanatical to the fanatics, which is pretty interesting. Is, is, yeah. is that kind of correct? Is there any kind of past lore about those children of the Watch? or Other than the, 
As far as uh, as I know, they're just yeah. It's just they're the offshoot of the Death Watch, which was founded by oh, I hope I don't butcher his name. Pre Pre Vizsla, I think. Um, and he, it was like they wanted to return Mandalore to ancient Mandalorian practices. Whereas during like the Clone Wars, when the Mandalore and the Death Watch clashed, is when Mandalore was actually trying to become a, a being a pacifist world and everything under uh, actually the leadership of Bogotan's sister. And so it was, it's very interesting that, that like, so yeah, so pre came was, and was de- eventually defeated. And so the Death Watch kind of sh- got off of Mandalore around the end of the Clone Wars and stuff like that. And so, and then that's where they probably became way more secluded, way more and way more insular on their teachings and everything, explaining how I guess Din didn't know anything about it. But it is kind of interesting that these characters that we've been introduced to so so much are what I guess on the bad side, you know, in a way. Because it's like in the Clone Wars, the Death Watch were very much the the villains of Mandalore and had a very long villainous arc. So it's interesting that like the armor all the other Mandalorians that we've come in contact with to this point have been on the wrong side. In, in a way. So I think that's a pretty interesting, like, uh, just angle to take this story. Did you happen to catch? So was that guy, the, the Vizsla guy from that founded the death watch? Did you happen to catch what a uh, John Favreau's, you know, he played a character that was a Mandalorian. Yeah. And he was Paz Vizsla. So maybe that's, Oh wait, in, in Mandalorian or yeah, in, in this episode, my, like in last, last season, he was Paz Vizsla. So I wonder if they are related. I think they are because John. Fun fact: John Favreau also voiced Previsla in oh. Clone Wars, so he he did both. So I'm pretty sure that means that yeah, they're probably of the same family. Oh man, just brothers and sisters. I know it's a, it's everywhere. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> just going all over the place. Family trees everywhere. You think Mando is really going to substantially change from interacting with these other Mandalorians as he's realizing whatever he's doing it's almost like he found out that he's like amish mandalorian yeah you know? yeah and he's just like i could take this off like he's probably thinking he's like i can go back to that krill farmer and you know like maybe take it off and, yeah and like yeah or at least like a good night or something like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know uh i think we'll see him soften i think at before maybe not this season mm-hmm. but i bet by like season three i bet he's taken off the helmet and I think that I, I think he he's because we've already seen him soften so much just in his interactions with the child, especially that it was apparent to me in this episode when he thought the child was dead. You could tell he was freaked out when mm-hmm. after the mama core ate it, ate, ate his little carrier. You could tell in his voice he was terrified that the child was dead. So I think he's softening and like and growing to understand more of the world around him because i think even the character of the child with these force abilities the first time he's ever been experienced exposed to these i think that opened his world in a newer in a bigger way than he had previously had so you know i think as he meets more like mandalorians especially like bo katan and i think even once uh, as this now looks like he's on a path now to meet up with ahsoka tano i think once he meets up with her that'll even change him even more so i think it, it you know I would not be surprised if by season three he's he's taken off the helmet when he feels like he can take off the helmet. Or like maybe he can install like one of those old you know, like medieval things where he can just open it up or something and yeah, be able yeah, to show yeah. his face a little bit. So that was it's pretty interesting. How how are you feeling about the next step? That so, uh, Bo Katan they go and they raid that big uh, imperial freighter. 
right? Which is an awesome sequence. Yes. The shot, kind of them, of, the shot of them tailing behind it on their jetpacks as it's mm-hmm. taken off was such a cool shot. Yeah, there's a bunch of great shots. Even like the fishing boat, like the when they kind of blew it up and they flew up, and that was a really good shot as well. Uh, What was what were we talking? Oh, like going into there. Do you think the stormtroopers are now like almost like they almost make too much too much of a joke about how incompetent they are? I know. I like that one of the Mandalors of Mandalorians of Bo-Katan like mentioned that he's like couldn't hit the side of the Bantha. It's like okay, we I, I understand. Like we get it. They're they're bad shots. <laughs> no. Yeah, but they can't be that bad as shots in the hallway. Like I'm not like a great shot. I don't really shoot a lot of guns at all. But I, I'm sure if I was in the hallway, I would come close to right being like, a Mandalorian. Yeah. I mean, and they did to their yeah. credit. They were hitting him a lot, which I thought was pretty cool. Like that best car could take a beating. Mm-hmm. That last that last that last stop that uh, he was getting hit by all those blasters and he kind of threw it up. And you know, it's, do you think there's a, a moment where Den Jaren is? I don't know if he's going to be cool with Bo Katan because I don't really. He it's what he has left, but I don't really think he agrees with that because I think he's going somewhere else. He's not like shooting wounded stormtroopers like the Mandalorians were. Yeah, he definitely seemed like he was confused or like playing catch up to her this whole mm-hmm. episode. like because in that whole fight he wasn't super engaged until that last part where he was like okay i gotta do this or else this is gonna fail but he kind of seemed the whole time to be confused caught off guard and not, like not sure totally what was happening and i think so yeah i think that definitely kind of put a bad taste in his mouth of of his relationship with bokatan because like she tried to change the terms of the deal on him like you know they, he thought they were just grabbing some stuff going turns out no she wants the whole shit and mm-hmm. so, like, you know, I think that he doesn't like that when people he he definitely prefers to be like upfront, know exactly what he's getting into and all this stuff. So I I wonder that, yeah, they might have got off on the wrong foot, but I think he still respects her as a fellow Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. So I think they they might be at odds. But I but I would imagine if they team back up this season that they'll that they'll be on the same side, I would think. Do you think that there is a bunch of Mandalorians somewhere? Because they mentioned something about imagine a division having these mm-hmm. weapons. Do you think there's a whole bunch that they have an army? I think so. I think they're just similarly to Mando's sect of the Man- mm-hmm. Mandalorians. Like they're just all over. And I think that's just part of what Bo-Katan and is trying to do is just bring them all back to what, rec- uh, like she said, to reclaim Mandalore. So I think. Yeah, I think there's enough out there still because, I mean, it was a whole planet of people. So surely, hopefully, unless it's like an Alderaan thing that this is not, you know, and now it's destroyed. It's not like there are just millions were wiped out all at once. So, yeah, I figure it's just a, a process of going around and being able to, you know, find the find them in the right spot and get them to be like, hey, no, we need to follow you. Mm-hmm. And we also found out another thing we found out is that there's an imperial fleet somewhere, mm-hmm. just Moff floating Gideon's, around. Moff Gideon's like he's. I like how they're kind of making him like this uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn character in a way. Mm, yes, you know, and I, I I really like that that he's just he's been off on his own somewhere doing his thing, and now that the Empire's back, he's in town and he is the big bad that you've got to contend with. Like he he has this powerful army. He's obviously somewhat like cultified his branch because I mean, he just straight up told Titus Welliver's guy like, uh, I can't really get to you, buddy. So you're going to have to kill yourself. <laughs> yeah, you know? right, yeah. And he was just like, 
sir, yes, sir, let's do it, you know? And so, like, he's definitely radicalized his group quite a bit. And so, you know, uh, seeing how far that goes, though, I think is going to be interesting. So radical versus radical versus radical. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's setting itself up for a pretty big showdown. Yep, yep, definitely. And anything else? Like we saw, we saw some Mon Calmari. He, Wando, uh, finally spent his flan that he's yeah. been holding on from grief. <laughs> and then those other guys with the tentacles, the core Corellians, the Corin or whatever. Yeah, a uh, bunch of people can't trust at yeah. all. No, nope, can't trust them at all. Uh, the Mon Cal- uh, Calmari and the Corals or whatever, they li- they're from the same planet, right? They mm-hmm. both, yep. So, and that's not the planet that they're on, Trask. No, they're just like a random. I think it's their homeworld is like Mon Cal. So. Okay. And so they get through there, they get into the ship, and now what is the next step for them? I believe it's it's uh, next up is going to the, I can't remember the name of the planet now where Bo-Katan told them to go, but to go find Ahsoka. It, is she from the uh clone like uh the clone war or rebellion mm-hmm. what can you yeah. tell us about them so oh, her. ahsoka is in the clone wars animated show is anakin's padawan and so she actually plays and it was kind of like she is is like kind of other the like the big like she is like when you think of the clone wars like she's like the best character to come from that show and honestly like it kind of took me a bit to grab onto it but then seeing her development she even then shows up later in rebels and things like that as well. And she's just, she's in a very interesting character because one, she's like very obviously like an incredible fighter an incredibly gifted Jedi. But then near the end of the clone Wars show, she does, she is wrongfully blamed. Oh, I cannot remember the exact circumstances, but she's wrongfully blamed for killing someone, I believe. And even though it's like, everyone should know she didn't do it because of who she is kind of thing. She still was like, almost kicked out. She was kicked out of the Jedi order, in fact. And then when they, it was proven that she was, she was framed for it. She was like, you know what? I, I think there are some pretty big problems with these Jedi. I think I'm out peace. So then she like near the end for the last season of clone wars. And then even her time in rebels, she is a, a gray Jedi. She is a force user, still uses lightsaber, but she doesn't ascribe to specifically the Jedi order. And she doesn't ascribe obviously to the dark side. So she's a very interesting character. For, for those reasons. And uh, just, she's really awesome because she uses two lightsabers, dual wheel, like held in reverse and stuff like that. So she's an incredible fighter. Uh, actually, in the last season of, of Clone Wars, Clone War, she has some incredible fights. So if you want to binge through that show and everything, she's it's, it's incredible how awesome she is. So getting to see her in a live action show and just more of the character of Ahsoka is going to be great. Have you heard anything about who's uh, or I, I don't want to start. If we're not talking, yeah, rumor, yeah, I, I, I've heard the rumor, but we won't say. Okay, it we'll wait until she actually until she actually appears on the show. Yeah, for your mom's sake, we're not going to spoil it for her. <laughs> you know? uh, so, um, that, so that's pretty exciting. And also, if she came from there, she knows Yoda, so she's going to yeah. be. So I think she's going to give a lot of insight into into the child's background. I think we're going to get a lot of stuff from her. Do you think she'll be able to even communicate with it with the Force? I think so, but I mean, it, it kind of seems. I, I just think like maybe she'll just know more about Yoda's people. Maybe not necessarily yeah. even with Baby Yoda. I just think she'll be able to know more about, or even just point Mando in the right direction mm-hmm. and stuff on what to look, what he's looking for, and all that. Because it does seem like now the main crux of this episode of this season is going to be getting the dark saber from Gideon. 
Oh, that's right. That's another big yeah. thing that came up. And it seemed, yeah, so Bo-Katan, so that's like basically kind of like the sword in the stone or whatever, dark saber mm-hmm. in the stone that Bo-Katan wants to use to liberate. And it's is it just sort of a weapon that shows authority over Mandalore? It was forged, if I'm getting this right, it was forged yeah. long, like in ancient Mandalorian times by a force... Uh, maybe not a Force-sensitive Mandalorian, but it it did be, become like the the symbol of of power for the ruling families of Mandalore. So in Clone Wars, in this in the arcs about the siege of Mandalore and stuff like that, Pre Vizsla actually has the dark saber there and uses it, and he actually fights against Jedi with it and different things like that. And so it's always just kind of been this thing. So it's at one point fell into Pre Vizsla's hands. Then after that, I'm not totally sure where it goes. And they're like, and it gets lost basically. And then now Gideon shows up with it somehow. So obviously to Bo-Katan knowing it's still out there and having her family of being kind of the rightful rulers of Mandalore when it was stolen by the Death Watch and Pre Vizsla, it's obviously very important to her to have it back to show other Mandalorians. I'm, you know, Hey, I'm really Bo-Katan Kreese. I am of the Royal family of Mandalore you know, follow me to, you know, help rebuild our, our people. So I think it, it holds a lot of significance for her, but honestly it also holds a lot of significance for Gideon to want mm-hmm. to know that. So I'm interested to see like what his connection to it is going to be other than if it is more than just a power symbol. Right. It's just really cool. Yeah. It's a lot better than really just, cool. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's a lot better than, I don't know, like a, like a stick or something that you could right. be carrying. <laughs> so yeah, it's a vibrating sword that can fight against a lightsaber. Like what? Well, come on. And it's, yeah. awesome. it's dark and it, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's in the name. It's the dark saber. It's, yeah. it's so cool. <laughs> All right. So anything else that you wanted to talk about before we kind of wrap things up with our predictions for next episode? Uh, I think just the only point I had is just the I, I'm seriously doubting the poor Razor's Crest is going to make it. Oh yeah, that's right. Make it. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking it's like Mando. Like Mando needs I'm to like seeing. get a part time job or something. He needs oh, he needs man. to do like Star Wars Uber Eats or something a little bit. He has no money left. No, and that that ship is just on its last leg. Yeah, like he needs to start asking for money from some of these people. He's yeah, mm-hmm. he just you know, like I was expecting him to like maybe take a couple guns or something on his way out. So I was just like jumping out, but yeah, that razor crest is not doing so well, not doing good at all. So we'll then make it the rest of the show. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Okay. So for the next episode is baby Yoda going to eat something. I think he's learned his lesson. I'm going to say no. Okay. I'm going to say yes, because we're on a roll. I'll say say he's not going to eat something living. He might like eat. He he might eat more like porridge or soup or something, or like have his tea. But I'm gonna say he's he's taking a break from the living things for a while. Are you sure? Because they're he aren't they going to a forest planet? So it's oh, a forest true. planet. He's gonna, find little, stuff. Yeah, he's gonna find little rodents and lizards and stuff like that. You're little birds. Out. He's just I'm, gonna be eating everything. I'm sticking with it though. I'm saying I'm saying yeah. no. This time he's gonna he's gonna hold his appetite. Were you a little nervous when he was over? Like looking at that tadpole at the end. He, oh, I was like, he's well, when he like had his face pressed up against it and then it, and then it popped out of the egg, I was like, oh no. Oh, he's he's going to eat like, everything. He's going to eat everything. Yeah. His face went up and he's like, ah, so much. Yeah. Oh man. I was like, oh no. Baby Yoda, what you doing? Oh man. Oh, well, I thought it was a really good episode. I almost, you know, like, I don't want to keep on, um, hit, you know, bashing the, I, the Ice Spider episode. I almost wish like, 
like both of these were kind of like mushed together, taking out all the ice spiders, you know? Yeah. But, this was the shortest episode. It was only 36 minutes. Yeah. It was like really, you know, like today, you know, I was like, oh, like I woke up a little bit late. So I kind of watched it in the morning. I was talking to this other guy at work. He's like, oh, it's only like 30 minutes. You can just like totally like squeeze it. And it's like, oh, yeah, I could totally squeeze this in on, while I eat lunch, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's a perfect little bite sized episode. Yeah. Which I thought was great for the, yeah. the length that it was. It packed in a lot of development and like moving the story forward. So I think that was the perfect move. Give us these big like creature of the week episodes that we had before. Mm-hmm. A little bit, a little taste of that still, even in this one with the mom, Monocore. And then, uh, you know, but actually, like, show us, okay, this is where this season is really going to go, which now we know is the pursuit of the Darksaber. So, mm-hmm. and it's pretty interesting that Bryce Dallas Howard did another episode here. Mm-hmm. She she did Chapter Four Sanctuary, which was uh, from from the first season, which is when they went to the krill farmers and stuff, which I actually liked a whole lot. That episode's great. Yeah, and so it's pretty it's pretty interesting that she's done a couple of these episodes, and they both really kind of really pushed uh, there's a lot of character development in these mm-hmm. so i'm not sure who does next one um but i'm looking forward to it yep same all right well thanks a lot jared uh, and then just as a reminder send us your question especially if you're a wilson in oklahoma you, by the end of this uh series you're just going to be head to toe and best guard boys gear it's going to be great and i still have a brother i still have a brother and a sister who haven't asked anything yet so oh my god what are they doing like (laughs) (laughs) i know they gotta get on it all right jared have a good night all right you too